father's tent There you are You're running for your life You're a shooting star And all the years No one knows Just how hard you worked But now it shows In one shining moment It's all on the line One shining Coaches, hello again. This is Coach Kevin Furtado. Welcome back to the Championship Vision Podcast. Today is episode 119. Today we have Coach Alex Stevenson. He's the head girls basketball coach at Dodd City High School in Dodd City, Texas. Coach Stevenson is 28 years old. He's been in the profession for seven years. All seven have been at the Dodd City as athletic director and girls basketball coach. He is also the elementary PE teacher and girls volleyball coach. Over seven years, he has a career record of 214 and 23. He has won seven district championships, been to six regional tournaments, and three state championship games. He's had three players go to play college basketball and seven all-state players. His favorite quote is, leaders are visionaries with a poorly developed sense of fear and no concept of the odds against them. They make the I'm really excited again to talk to another coach from Texas. Uh, uh, <clears throat> earlier, uh, I spoke to Joe Lombard, who coaches in Texas, and uh, I just love I, I just love speaking to coaches that uh, just give a different perspective on different parts of the state. I do know this: girls basketball in Texas is one of the best. So I'm really excited to see what uh, Coach Stevenson does with his program. He's going to talk about his five strengths of his program. And uh, he has had tremendous success. I mean, with a record of 214 and 23 for his career, uh, he's been a consistent winner. So I'm going to really pick his brain on what he does for his program. So, coaches, let's welcome Alex Stevenson. Alex, welcome. Alex. Hi, how are you? What's going on, my friend? Oh, not much. Just um, sitting here in boredom. <laughs> yeah, every coach I talked to, man, recently, man, it's just, it's, and I know you heard a lot of the podcasts. It, it's crazy right now. I just, I finished watching CNN. I can't watch CNN anymore, man. No, and you know, one thing I've realized is, uh, I, I don't have much of a life outside of basketball. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, it, it's been pretty boring to me. I, I've, uh, it, it's been good though. I've really got to sit down and, um, watch film from the, you know, from the season and um, really digest and, and see everything in a different set of lenses. So it, it's been – I've tried to make some positives out of it. Yeah, there. I think we're all going to learn something from this. Uh, you know, for those – I mean, <clears throat> people who have families now, we'll be spending more time with each other and spending more time – Oh, for sure. With our, you know, with we, our, had, yeah. we, had, we had our uh, our first kid, a daughter, um, in November – yeah, perfect timing, and uh, so it was hectic during the season. So it, it's been nice to really get to um, spend a lot of lot more time with my family. Yeah, that, that's 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 a blessing, man. I mean, sometimes we forget about that as coaches, but you know about us basketball coaches, we're always trying to pick up things and learning this time of year. So, oh yeah, 
<laughs> um, but I, I tell you, I appreciate you supporting the podcast. I know you've listened to quite a few, and uh, I definitely appreciate that because that's why we do them for us to learn. Uh, tell me a little bit about you know some of the guys you've listened to that you really gotten a lot out of. Um, the the guy from um, Norman North, the Hamilton guy, I I really yeah. enjoyed his. Um, you know, just some di- different different ideas, different philosophy, I guess. You know, those are – I guess those are the coaches I'm intrigued by the most are the ones that um, do things different than me, I guess you could say. Um, sure. I, I really like – and I think it was yours that you interviewed Joe Lombard, right? I did. I did, yeah, yes. See, he, he is – he's a Texas legend. Um, that's kind of who um, – when you're coming up in the profession, you, you see his teams and you want to emulate a lot of things that he does. So I really, really enjoyed that one too. Um, yeah. And, you know, Texas is such, such a huge state, you know, it's still, you know, seven hours away. So the only time I get to see him play is at, at a state tournament or, or something like that. But, um, you know, he's a, I've met him and know his son. He's a, he's a great, great guy and willing to share and, help any way he can but those are two that come to mind um i guess the one you did a couple of days ago i'm wanting to listen to that one yeah absolutely the, the recent one's been Lacey perkins and yes, he's, that's um, one. yeah that guy's just a he's just a basketball guru man he does all he's doing a great thing right now i don't know if you heard about it with the uh, online lessons have you have you seen that at all i have not um i, I want to try to get in that i i don't know if it's a off a championship production video or something. I, I've seen his name before somewhere. Um, it, it sounded familiar when I saw it. So it, it's definitely on my list to listen to next. I'm just, Absolutely. I'm a huge yeah. podcast fan. Um, I guess <laughs> in the last year, I've really, um, I, I've really listened to them. And, and I listen to a couple a day, honestly, um, just in the office, just play them on my phone while I'm doing work. And, uh, I I get more off a podcast just because you get to talk about a topic and um, then it's just rambling, you know, and sometimes you get a lot more out of that than a specific target that you go to a clinic to listen to, you know, where they're only talking about one thing. And uh, so I, I've really gotten more out of podcast, I think, in the last year than I have anything. Well, that's great. And I, I do think it's um, <clears throat> particularly like, now, of course, now, you know, you have more time in your hands, but Man, when coaches are busy, man, or I, I have a, a lot of coaches that will go out and run and listen to the podcast. Exactly. And, um, um, I, yeah, that's great. My, my wife and I, we went to Vegas over spring break and went and watched the, uh, the West Coast Conference um, championship game, Gonzaga and St. Mary's. And before I got on the plane, I downloaded, you know, three podcasts on the way and three podcasts on the way back and uh, just to, just to listen to. That's good. Going to Vegas, man. You you live big out there in Texas, man. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. It was it, it was a good time. It's the first time we ever went, and uh, I tell you what that that was one of the coolest experiences going to watch Gonzaga play. I've always been a huge fan, and that's the first time I've ever got to see them play. And man, you see them on TV and see how efficient they are offensively, and it it's totally different person, man. They are unbelievable. Yeah, and they're so consistent, man, on, oh, on what they do. Yeah, no doubt. They they have they have kids that can play 
post players that can play back to the basket, and, and I, I don't think people know how to guard it anymore. I think it's just a lost art, and it's something they have that no one else does, and people have a hard time guarding the post. Absolutely. And, Coach, we want to learn about you uh, today, and I want you to give – I know <clears> – <throat> I think you sent me you, – you've been coaching for seven years. Kind of tell us a little bit about, before that, how you got started in the game out there in Texas. Well, um, basketball has always been, you know, my, my first love. Um, I, my dad started taking me to the state basketball tournament when I was in third grade. And uh, it always falls during my birthday. So that was always my birthday present. And uh, so we would go we, – we went every year from third grade to I graduated. And, um, and then, you know, I played. I played at a basketball school. Um, we didn't, we didn't have football, basketball was, was it, uh, the, the community was just all about basketball. Actually the guy who, um, invented the dry race playmaker board, it's called KBA is the company. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I got a funny story with all that, but he, he started coaching in Roxton and that's where I went to, grew up and went to school. Um, okay. and so that he, he was coaching at Roxton when he came up with that and, and had a patent on it. And, um, so it was just basketball every single day. Um, my, you know, my, me and my dad, we would growing up, we just look through and what are the best games being played? And we'd go watch them all over the state. And, uh, and so I, I guess probably I in junior high, I knew, you know, I wanted to coach. So I started a journal. Um, and I would just write down everything. Um, when we'd go to games, I'd take it with me. I'd write down certain teams' warm-up drills. Um, I'd write down things that I would see people doing warm-ups or doing games, set plays, and just, you know, kind of kept it all the way through. I played a year of college basketball. Um, and then after that, I transferred to a school – closer to home and, and graduated knew that I wanted to coach in my last year of college they're offers offering a program where you could instead of student teaching you could go in and be like an instructional aide and actually get paid because um, nice. in Texas you got to do a year of student teaching um, and you do pretty much work for free well I started I got hired at a school that was in the same district as Roxton and the guy who invented the dry race playmaker board and I and during college I worked at KBA, so okay. um, I put together the boards, and then they always would work the Nike clinics. So I would go with the boss to the clinics and help set up and and sell stuff. Well, in between, when the speakers were talking, nobody would ever come and buy. So I'd sit there and I'd watch the speakers. So I've got to see a lot of the the big names, mm -hmm. and yeah, I would just jot down notes and come to find out, you know. I did all that just because I love basketball and I was really preparing myself for what was coming. So then fast forward to, I get hired at Dodd city. Um, and, you know, I was just trying to bypass my student teaching is what I was trying to do is how can I work and not and and get paid. So the, sure. the son of the guy who invented the dry race playmaker board, he's a superintendent here. Well, my mom and him had went to school together. So we, we knew each other. Well, I got hired over here, and I was assistant boys basketball coach for um, half halfway. I started out at 21 years old and uh, didn't have a clue how to coach, but I loved the game of basketball. I wanted to learn. I wanted to work. 
So um, halfway through my first year here, um, I, I become the head girls coach in December. And, uh, and then coach the rest of the year, end up falling in love with the girls' side. Um, and then I've been here for seven – I just finished my seventh year. Um, and so I guess two years ago, the superintendent that hired me, he retired, and then he took over his dad's business at KBA. So in the spring, I, me and him, we kind of split up. Now they're NABC clinics, but they used to be the Nike clinic. So we split those up, and, and we work those in the spring. So it, it gives me another opportunity to, to go and learn um, all the time. But that's kind of my start as far as getting um, here at Dodge City. And so in the last two years, I've become the athletic director here. Um, it's a basketball school. We don't have football. Um, and I, I love it here. Um, I love the kids. Um, it, it's really – over time grew into even more of a basketball school, I feel like. And <clears throat> what it sounds like, so I can definitely relate to you because I'm at a single A school here in Georgia. We have seven classifications, not as big as Texas though, but um, so we're going to talk a little bit about small school basketball because it ain't easy. You probably have a lot of girls that play multiple sports and so forth. So I think we have Absolutely. probably a lot. Probably have a lot in common. Uh, uh -huh. Had a chance to watch some video of your team and so forth. Um, they look pretty solid, man. I, I think that you, you can tell you've been working with them. But give me, give me from day one until now, what have you learned to really help your program? Because I know when I first started coaching, I didn't know. So tell us, tell us the progression from day one to now. What have you done? Um. First thing that I've learned is less is more. Um, you know, the, uh, early on, you know, I'd want to go to a clinic and everything that I would learn, I'd want to come right back and put it in. Um, but, you know, the, the first thing was the culture part. Um, what did we want to stand by and what did we want to stand for? Um, so I get, to, I get to work with the kids from sixth grade up. So I coach the junior high here. Our sixth grade is in our junior high. Uh, athletic period so we really 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 tried to form a culture here um and then you know after that then it went straight to the fundamentals you know we had to become fundamentally sound um i think it's hard to run any offense or do anything if you can't pass dribble and shoot so we tried to really focus our attention on on those aspects uh of the game and then you know the next part of it was getting the kids excited about it and getting the kids to play all the time um because with the aau ball and everything else going on if you're not playing you're you're going to fall behind and right. um so that that was one of the big things was is you know outside of the season what are we doing you know and it, during the season you know the coach can control a lot of things but outside of it and you had to you – know, it, it was it was difficult because I felt like you had to get the kids more intrinsically motivated to, to want to do that, um, to want to get better and to want to play outside the season. Um, so I really tried to work hard early on uh, of getting the kids to buy into that, and they did. So, you know, now outside the season I have, you know, anywhere from 
three to six kids a year playing on a different team, and then we probably play 40 games together um, in the spring and summer. So that that was that was huge early on as far as building the program. I feel like. Yeah, and, and I know Joe Lombard said the same thing. Those activity periods are huge. We don't have those here in Georgia. Oh, really? Tell us the advantage of that, man. I, I'm jealous. So I mean, you get extra time with your kids. Oh, absolutely. So we have um, our athletic period falls eighth period. Um, so it's the last period of the day. So. Um, you know, from August to November or whenever, you know, whenever the first day of after school practice starts, I mean, you get your 45 minutes. Um, so I feel, I feel like, you, you know, you always hear the term, you know, somebody out coach somebody. And, and I don't really believe in that. I, I think that you out practice people, you know, th- there's too many good coaches and too many good things and that you can do and too many good players that, so I tried to figure out how how could we get the most out of our 45-minute period. You know, when after-school practices start, you know, everybody gets gets a lot of time. So how can we take advantage of that 45 minutes every day? So what what I try to do in the fall before the season starts is each day kind of is a it's, – it's, it's a different topic, I guess, like the, the overview of it. So, like, Mondays may be defensive days where we spend majority of our time because you can't get everything done in 45 minutes. So. Right. I try to, um, you know, defense may be the Monday and Tuesday may be um, transition offense and uh, Wednesday may be skills and Thursday may be a lot of shooting. And and so I, I've tried to split it up and, and focus like the majority of it, my attention on a certain aspect of the game in the fall um, just to try to get the absolute most out of that 45 minutes. And it, it's a it's an art, man, because um, you, you will – early on you'll look up and the kids come in and then you'll look back up and the bell will be ringing for them to go. <laughs> exactly. You know? And yeah. so it, you have to really, really work hard at how can you get the most out of that 45 minutes? Because I do think it's such a advantage um, because, you know, like you said, a lot of other States don't get that. Yes. That extra work. I mean, because time is money, right? Alex? Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, because we um, – but let's talk about now. I'm going to come back to that in a second with your activity period, your fundamentals. What are you doing now? Because right now, man, this is crazy. We Nobody's ever gone through it. Are you trying to stay connected with your players, maybe having them work on their own? Or what are you all trying to do over there? Well, I have um, – of course, we haven't seen the kids. Um, and, and how it fell was is as soon as the season was over – then it's the state tournament, and then we're on spring break, and then all this hits. So I haven't seen the kids in in several weeks. So I try to once a week send out a group message, uh, just checking on the kids, telling them I'm thinking about them. Any good um, at home workout that I can find online, I send it to them. Yeah. Um, and and this was something that as soon as all of this hit, I was thinking, you know, what what can I do to to help us, you know. Nobody can get into a gym. No, I mean, unless you have a goal at your house, I don't know how you can really shoot and things. So I've kind of flipped the script and said, okay, what can I do to get myself better to help them? And so I've tried to, you know, read books, listen to podcasts, watch clinic videos, watch film on us, um, you know, things that we need to get better at so that I can help them. 
um, because I just I know how hard it is. You know, it, you send those workouts to the kids, are they going to do them? You know, what, <laughs> yeah, what's, exactly. what's the wallet if they do? What's the quality <laughs> of them doing it? Um, right. So I try to do my part as far as giving them um, resources to to stay in shape, to get better, to but at the end of the day, you know, I'm the only one I can control. So I've tried to put my time and energy into getting my team better through, through my work. Yeah, man, you're sharpening the saw, man. What you do, I mean, you're, you're doing what like a lot of the great coaches have to do is <clears throat> you're staying sharp because I think it's so easy to get lazy and assume that what we're doing is okay, but you might find one, two, maybe three things that can add to your program, right? Oh, absolutely. I, I've, uh, you know, I picked six films of our games, so it's either either our losses or games that we may have won, but I didn't feel like we did things the right way. And I went back and I watched those, and man, it's crazy. If if I if I coached in the season with the perspective that I have right now, I'd be a lot better coach. <laughs> Uh, you know, Good if point. I could, if I could see everything with the lens that I, I I'm seeing right now, I'm like, man, you know, why didn't I see this in the season? But I think that we get so emotionally involved in our season, and um, that that it's hard for us to see those things. But I've definitely found things that um, that that we're going to need to do differently next year. Um, so so it's this time off has been valuable to me. That's a great teaching point because I think we're all guilty. And this is um, this is my 30th year of coaching, so I, I've been around a little bit. But uh, you're pretty wise for the seven years because I didn't learn this till later on. But during the season, you're exactly right, Alex. During the season, we're focusing on the result and what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. Now you're focusing on learning and getting better. Man, if you can apply that during the season – but it's difficult, right? Because it's oh, time. Yes. time constraints, man. You got you got a full time job. Oh, for sure. And I mean, the the thing is, is it that mind switches when it the ball's tipped off, and you know, <laughs> the, a yeah. win or a loss is going to be the effect of it. You know, right now we're not, you know, we're not in competition mode. Um, so you know, that that's definitely something that I need to work on as far as in season, but. Um, I, I really like this time. Um, I've I've always been um a get better person. Like, um, I love to learn. I love to get better. Um, and you know, if, if I'm not getting better, if I'm not trying to to grow myself, how can I expect the kids to? Um, so it, it it's like I said, you know, I don't have many hobbies outside of basketball. So th- th- it's really fun for me to sit back and reevaluate for sure. Yeah, I'm sure you're getting a lot done. I'm going to ask you a little bit about what you're learning and so forth, what you're going to pick up. Let, you you wrote down for me five of your key strengths, and you started with culture. And I want you to tell us how do you fight for your culture every day with your program? Well, the my mindset is is – I read in a book, Urban Meyer wrote, I think it's called Above the Line, and, and he has a great quote in there, and it says, culture eats strategy for lunch. And um, and I believe that wholeheartedly. Um, and I think that if, you, if you're not fighting for your culture every day, you, you're going to lose your culture. You know, what's important to you and uh, 
you know, what what's the old term? You know, you're either allowing it or coaching it, you know. Right. So, um, you know, what, what's important to you? So I kind of define our our culture into two, two categories, you know, the program culture and then our practice culture. Um, and our program culture, it's a pyramid. So at the bottom of the pyramid, you know, the largest part of it is uh, character. And how we define that is, is be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and doing it to the best of your ability. Um, above character in a smaller box, it's prepare. And it's mis- mentally and physically getting better every single day, you know, a get better attitude, and, you know, and above that, in a smaller box, it's, it's perform and it's putting, putting everything above together in order to be your very best when the team needs you the most. And then above that, in the smallest box, it says results. Um, and, it, you know, I think if you take care of the first three, the results always take care of themselves. And so then, therefore, we're in control of the controllables. So that's kind of how we define, you know, our, our culture is, is we want to be high character. We want to prepare better than everyone else, which will allow us to perform better, which will allow us the results. Um and then, you know, our, our core values in our program are passionate, team first, serve, humble, thankful, and accountable. And so those are things daily that we expect out of our players. Um, and then, you know, as far as our practice culture, you know, to me, practice is everything. Um, it's, it's my very, very favorite part of the job. Um, I tell the kids all the time, practice is my time and the game is your time. Um, and so we define our practice culture in, in, in two quotes. I'm not, I'm not a big um, slogan guy. Um, I put, don't, there's two quotes and two signs that, that go up everywhere the kids see, whether they go in their locker room, uh, they see it right outside on the door before they walk in the gym. And the first, the first one is the greatest form of toughness is consistency day by day. I think that the hardest thing to do is to show up every single day giving it your best for the team and for the program um i think that that, that's just the toughest thing to do you know everything that goes on in the world um all the things these kids face and see at home and um at school and everything else you know if, if you can show up every day and be your very best that you're tough you're a tough kid um and then the last thing, and the last thing the kids see before they walk in the gym is a quote that says, we practice to create habits that will make us successful in the most difficult situations. And so that is kind of how, how I define our culture here um, or the things that we want to stand by, stand for, and how we want to act and conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Yeah, that's great. And I love how you – it's very clear – um, I think most coaches struggle on their clarity. Um, just from kind of hearing your voice, you're very clear in your definition. I think that's so important. And right, Alex, it doesn't matter what your core values are. You just have to live by it. So what do you do? Give me a, give me a sample of what you do. Let's, say, let's talk about how do you make sure your, char- your players are exhibiting character? Well, if – you know, for one, if they're not, we're going to confront it. Um, I, I'm, I, I like confrontation, I guess you could say. Um, <laughs> I, I think that the, the best coaches are demanding, um, warm but demanding. So, you know, 
the character portion is not who you are as a player. Um, I think that, you know, kids get caught up and, you know, well, I'm not, I'm not as good as her. Or I'm not the best player on the team. You know, that, 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 that doesn't matter um, from our best player to our worst player. You know, everyone matters. And I want you to, like I, like I said, I want you to be where you're supposed to be doing what you're supposed to be doing and always doing it to the best of your ability. And, you know, if you're not, we're going to confront that issue and we're going to, we're going to talk about it. And we're going to get it fixed. Um, and I think that, you know, one, it's, you know, leadership always starts from the top. And I feel like if, if the kids are seeing me doing what I'm supposed to be doing and being where I'm supposed to be and doing it to the best of my ability, it, it trickles down. And there's never any, um, you know, when, when they see the coach working the hardest and, and being at the, being at the school earlier than practice and, and, doing everything they can in practice to get the team better, I, I think it just trickles down. I think it always starts with the leader. Um, so that, that's kind of how we, how we, how we do it. If I, I guess you could say if, if they're not portraying the right character, then, then we're going to talk about it for sure. Yes. And you probably do it immediately too. Cause it's easy, right coach? It's easy to kind of let things slide. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think that that's why, I think that's why you have to have everything defined and everything clear for the kids, uh, simple, but effective. Um, so that they understand what the expectations are. There, there's the one thing in my program is I never want anything to be, um, assumed or guessed. Um, that I guess this is right, or I assume this is what we're supposed to do. I, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to show you, and then that's the way I want us to do it. Um, and so it, it it's really helped us out for sure. Yeah, and, and um, I mean, like you said, you know, that culture trump strategy. I mean, you got that starts it starts first with that. Uh, I think a lot of coaches make the mistakes on doing it almost last. <laughs> um, oh, for sure. Uh, fundamentals now. Um, Everybody wants to teach fundamentals. Tell me how you guys are unique in your approach. Of course, you get an extra 45 minutes a day, so mm-hmm. that, that, that's great there too. But tell me, um, <clears throat> what are your keys to – what are your key fundamental principles? Because I know I have some basic ones that I have to teach, you know, starting with my, my little ones. But what are your key fundamental uh, concepts? Well, you know, the, the first thing I like to do with, with fundamentals and drills is, is how can I combine a lot of fundamentals into one drill so that we're not coming in and we're not just working passing and then we're not just working footwork and we're not just working ball handling or shooting. How can I put all those skills together into drills so that we're working five different skills in one drill? And uh, like I said, Early on, I didn't do that. But then when I really wanted to start taking advantage of that 45 minutes, how can I get all this in and still get better defensively and offensively and things like that? So, you know, I would say the number one fundamental that we work the most on is shooting. Um, we, we spend a lot of time. So, like, the kids know they have, they have a certain amount of time to be in the gym with their shirts tucked in, with their shoes on, stretched on their own and ready to go. And then as soon as the buzzer goes off in practice, we begin practice. But we, when they come in into the gym, we have a, a form shooting cycle that we do. And so they're coming in every day and, and usually about three minutes. And I know that doesn't sound like a lot, but when you're doing it every single day, it adds up. Yeah, sure. So 
we're going to we're going to form shoot a ton and and like I said I, I do this with my junior high all the way up every everything stays consistent um and uh, you know another fundamental that I Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and you are listening to the Championship Vision Podcast. Spend a ton of time on his passing. Um, I guess early on, you know, I thought, well, everybody knows how to pass the basketball. Well, they don't. Um, And so, you know, in the game, you know, your best player, you know, you know, once in a blue moon, they may shoot the ball 20 times. Well, when you start, if you'll break down how many times they pass the ball, well, they pass the ball four times as many times as they shoot it. Well, why are we not spending a lot of time on passing the basketball? So, I mean, we spend a lot of time with passing, and any kind of passing drill that we do, we (laughs) we incorporate footwork in it. So, we work inside and outside pivot feet on everything that we do. Um, And then, you know, of course, as we go on, you know, there will be drills where we'll work ball handling, passing, and footwork all together. And so we'll put all three of those in. But I I just feel like is at at any level, if you can't pass, dribble, and shoot, what offense can you run? I mean, there's really no no offense you can. But if you can do all three of them, you really could run any offense. Um, So I think that, you know, and I heard a long time ago the – you know what you do the first 20 minutes of practice will always set the identity with your team and so we want to always start practice with our fundamentals now on the flip side of that we'll also work our defensive fundamentals so we're going to work closeouts blockouts and on the ball defense every single day within our fundamentals so i would say offensively you know we're going to we're going to pass dribble and shoot and we're going to close out block out and guard the ball you know every day in some form or fashion the first 15 or 20 minutes of practice. Yeah, that's, that's vital. Those, that's your, that's your DNA of your program, right? Uh-huh. And you got to um, talk to me about shootings. Everybody teaches it. I tell you, everybody teaches it differently. Um, what we do is we do, um, we really focus on the hop. I'm not for girls. I find the hop to be a little quicker. They can go off two feet better. Mm-hmm. Um, but everybody's a little bit different and so forth. We shoot a lot of three-point shots and so forth. But how do you teach shooting? What, what's unique to what you guys do? Well, we – I've never really defined it with a hop, but we want to really step into every one of our shots um, for sure. You know, the <clears throat> our, our feet are huge with shooting. You know, we want the – you know, our lead foot slightly in front of our, our other foot. Um elbow always in you know that that's a big focus with us and then the the follow through so i call you know our offhand your tomahawk so it, it it's it's almost like an axe so it needs to be straight up and down uh and then you know when you if, if you lay if you lay your offhand down it should be like an axe like chopping wood you know we don't want it in the shot at all um and then the the follow through is key too so I teach, we hold our follow through to the ball hits the rim. And I use a term, uh, putting your hand in the cookie jar. So if you're at your grandma's house and you're reaching up on the top shelf to grab a cookie, you know, that is what I want your follow through to look like. So we'll do three different cycles of form shooting. So we'll be one hand on a basket in front of the rim. We'll be straddling a line somewhere on the floor, shooting it. We want the ball to fall on the line. And we do that with two hands, and then we do one on the side of the backboard. We're straddling the backboard, uh, form shooting with two hands, working those key, you know, elbow in, good high follow through, tomahawk offhand, 
um, on on the side. So they'll shoot five shots and then they'll rotate through. And so we'll we'll do that about three minutes a day. Um, we'll even we'll work our form shooting on our backs, just shooting the ball up to ourselves. I think that is important. Um, and just imagining the ball going through the net. Anytime that we form shoot, it does not count if the ball hits the rim. So we want to really emphasize um, ball going through the net. Yeah, I love that. And it sounds like you're consistent with those. So oh, I'm a believer in I think whatever you do, be consistent. I think consistency is a big part of your program. That's what it sounds like. Um, passing, give me a give me a good passing drill that you guys use. Okay, we do um, like just as as a I have two. So just as a fundamental drill, like when I was saying, you know, we add a lot of skills into into one. So we call it sideline passing. So there'll be um, we'll put four in a group on the okay. sideline. First person out, they're going to take two hard dribbles. Um, two hard dribbles out, and they'll get to a jump stop. And then I will echo, you know, front pivot, reverse pivot, forward pivot, reverse pivot. So they'll pivot, so then they'll pivot back to the next player in line. And then I will say, like, like for instance, one day we may be working a step through. So we'll step through, and then we'll left-hand push the ball. So we're working, you know, weak hand pushes. After, after they pass the ball, then they close out to the next person in line. And then off of the closeout, the, the person that catches the ball, they got a shot fake and they got a jab. And then they'll continuously go. So right there we're working, we're working jump stops, we're working pivots, we're working step throughs, we're working passes, we're working um, closeouts, shot fakes, and jabs. And then after that, then the person will take off and then we'll send somebody, the second person in line. So then they got to close out on the ball and then we'll be working a, you know, a reverse pivot. And then they got to pass the ball around the defense. If if there's a deflection, then they owe two burpees once they get to the back of the line. Right. Okay. And then then we'll add where we send two people at the ball, and then you got to pass the ball out of a trap. Um, so that that that's like one quick drill that we do where we add a lot of skills in to one. Yeah, um, I really like that. You make it. Um, uh, you did. You definitely add. Make it more game like, and you definitely add. I think you add. Well, I love how you're adding defense and offense into your drills which i think is essential uh, for sure and then you know another one that we do and we do this daily and i stole this from buzz williams um who's now at texas a&m and it's called mm-hmm. around the horn okay and it is it is a it, it adds so much um so you'll have lines like on both wings and at the top of the key and then a coach will be like at the baseline so they'll throw the ball to a wing well, you know, the emphasis on it is ball reversals. So we want, we, we're big with communication offensively and defensively. So on every swing pass that we make, we, we echo uh, one more. So everybody in the back of the lines, everybody in the gym have, has got to be saying one more when the ball's reversed. So, um, and it's a reaction drill. So when the ball, the ball's passed from wing to the top of the key and then top of the key to the backside wing. And then I will say, you know, like four categories. So there's a baseline drive, a middle drive, a straight line drive, and then we do a lot of dribble handoff stuff. So that's our last one is a dribble handoff. But you could add a ball screen or whatever you whatever you do within your offense out of it. But so like if I say baseline, 
when the ball gets that backside wing, that wing drives the ball baseline. Well, then the wing that you pass the ball to first, they would be drifting to the corner, and the person at the top would be filling behind into a crack. Um, and then, you know, out of that, you can add whatever you want out of it. Like you could add a drift pass, you know, to the corner for a shot, or you could get to the rim with the ball handler. Um, and every move that the kids make, they have got to echo it. So if the person drifts, they'll be saying drift and everyone in their line will be saying drift. If you're, if you're moving to the crack right behind the ball, you and everyone in your line will be saying crack. And then, um, and then if I say middle, the ball's driven to the middle, you'll feel to a window and you'll feel to drift. Once again, everyone is talking. Um, if it's a straight line drive, you know, both wings will drift. If it's a dribble handoff, you know, and so you just add, you just continue to add elements out of it. I think how Buzz Williams does it, he does it in a grade system. So it's like kindergarten to 12th grade. Um, and every day you can add something different out of it. So um, like we will add where all three people will end up getting shots. We'll have managers with balls and, like if it's a baseline drive, the ball handler will get a layup and then we'll throw a drift shot and a crack shot. So out of it, all three people get uh, get shots out of it. And, you know, and then eventually you can add a post that stays opposite of the ball um, or they can tee up when you get along the baseline. And it, it's really an attack and react drill. But you add so much passing to it. If, if that makes sense. It does. Yeah, I love it. I'm trying to write all that down. I, I'm hoping you send that to me, uh, Coach, kind of give me a little breakdown of that. Yeah. Great. Yeah, I will for sure. And, I mean, it's when you get further along in it, so, like, we start, you know, three on O. Right. Then eventually we will add a post player. So our post players will go low, and every time the ball's driven, they're staying opposite the ball. The ball gets along the baseline. They tee up. Um, and then – how you can add the fifth player in it. So let me tr see if this makes sense to you. If it's a baseline drive, the ball goes baseline. So you have someone filling crack. You have the post opposite of the ball. You have someone filling, drifting to the corner. Well, the fifth spot out of the reaction would be someone in the open window. So the second person in the line, so the person behind the person that drifted, they would jump right into the drill once the ball is dribbled and they would become the window. So now you got five players. So once you get to that point, I just let it open up live. So I would say baseline, they would drive the ball baseline, and then I would let the kids play out of it five on O. So if the ball is passed to the drift, and then the drift dribbled the ball, then you're making the kids react to every single drive on the floor. And so every day you can add a different element out of it. And so it never becomes, well, we're just doing around the horn. Well, the, my kids know every day we're doing around the horn, but coach is about to add something different. And every time that I say something in the drill, so like if I say baseline, before I even pass the ball, everybody in the gym has to say baseline. And then every time that they move, every time the ball's dribbled, they have to echo where they're moving to. And so it adds a sense of communication. It adds ball handling. It adds – just thinking and I think that that is key with the kids is, is make them think and practice yeah I, I love that and that's um and that's really more of a, a Chris Oliver I don't know if you know Chris Oliver but uh oh yeah I listen to his podcast all the time too yeah you're really adding uh just through your voice you're adding decision making to that too as well and 
communication, which are two, and it's hard in five on O, right, Coach? It's hard five oh, on O, sure. but you do you do a great job of that. I really like that. For sure, it's hard, and and I think that you want them, you want to put them in situations and practice where they fail. So <laughs> I want to put them in a situation where they're driving the ball at someone cutting at them, because. If if I can make them fail in practice, then we can talk about it and I can reteach and we can learn. Um, so I want to make it as demanding and as hard as possible so that we, we get into the games. That kind of stuff is not happening. Um, and like in that drill, so if that happens and there's a screw up, I never stop it. I rarely stop a drill when there's a mess up. Like I want the kids to – fix it, and learn on their own. Once the play's over, then we'll talk about it. Where were you supposed to go? Why did this happen? And then make the kids answer that for you. Like, I, I don't like to answer for the kids. I want to ask them a question, and I want to know what their response is. You know, because a lot of times they know why they messed up. And I think that when you make them tell you why they messed up, that's accountability. Um, so I think that that's really helped us as well. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great teaching point. I hope all the coaches are listening to that because a lot of times we try to answer for our players and you're really not helping. No, you're not. (laughs) I mean, it's almost the, it's a, it's a cop out. Um, I, I, I want you to tell me why you made that mistake. Um, you know, and if you don't know, then, then I can tell you, but, um, I, I don't want I don't want to answer for you. I, I don't know why you made that mistake. Yeah, and everybody uh and they'll figure it out. Sometimes you gotta be it's tough love, man. You gotta you gotta the kids gotta think through the process of the game and so forth. Uh, I love how you're doing that. Coach, tell me now your third is your is your defense. Tell me, first of all, how do you all play defense? Um, and then how do you all teach your system? So we, we are probably 98% man-to-man team. Um, the, last, the last two years, we've really gone more to uh, a, a no middle. So on the ball, you know, we, we, we never want the ball to get to the middle of the floor. Um, you know, one pass away, we play the gaps. We don't play the passing lanes. Um, and then more than one pass is more of a – a hoop man we try to play triangles uh we want to form a triangle between our man the ball and us um so i guess i mean we don't really emphasize midline i guess as much i mean we do have the midline on the floor but we want to form triangles everywhere on the floor um and we i mean the the big thing with us is it's the flip side of our offense So, you know, offensively, we want to get to the paint. We want to draw fouls. We want to get rhythm threes. Well, you know, the number one thing defensively for us is we want to contest every shot with everything we have is what we say. So we never want rhythm threes. You know, if we can can force a contested two, we, we are happy. If it goes in, it goes in. But if we want to force contested twos, so we want one. We want to contest everything with with everything that we have, make everything difficult. Um, you know, two. We want no paint. We don't want the ball to get inside at all. 
Um, three is no rhythm threes, you know, and then lastly, we want to guard without fouling, which um, I, you know, talking earlier as far as things that I don't feel like that we did a good job this year and, and that it was that. I thought that we, we fouled too much. You know, there was a lot of key games where we put people on the free throw line too much, but that, that is definitely one of our emphasis is we want to be able to guard without fouling. You know, one thing that defensively, we don't do a ton of shell drill. I know that sounds crazy. Um, we do a lot of one-on-one, two-on-two, three-on-three types, type of things. Okay. Um, we, you know, early on, you know, we, we'll do a shell drill, a four-on-four shell drill, you know, but for the most part, I feel like the more players you add on the floor – in practice defensively, the more someone can hide or get away with a mistake. Like one-on-one stuff guarding the ball, you can't get away with anything. Two-on-two, you can't get away with anything. And three-on-three, you can't get away with anything. Your mistake is as obvious to everyone in the gym. So when we're working defense, I want want to be able to point out the mistakes. Um, I like to look at it like, I'm the biggest jerk in the world when we're working defense and practice, and I'm the biggest cheerleader in the gym when we're working offense. Um, so I try to make every defensive drill as hard as possible. Um, you know, and, and another another point that I that I left out, of course, is is when when I was talking about we want to force you know difficult shots is we it's a huge emphasis for us to hold teams to one shot. So we, right. we work a lot of defensive rebounding. Um, I think if if you can force one tough contested shot each possession, you're going to have a great chance no matter who you're playing. Sure. Now, of course, that's a lot easier said than done. <laughs> but, uh, you know, that, that that is really one of our goals. And, and you, you can't be great – at a million different things. Um, so I try to make it, you know, four four things that we want to be good at, four things that we can go in the locker room at halftime and talk about. You know, um, I, I just don't think you can you can be great at everything. You know, if, if you're going to be good at this, you're probably going to be giving up something else. So what are we okay with giving up um, and what are we not okay with? You know, what are our non-negotiables? Yeah, I love that. I think you do have to be specific with because we all want our every coach wants to be great at everything, don't we? I, um, mm-hmm. But and I think there's some, I spoke to a coach the other day. I think it was um, Rory talking about they're not great at anything. They're they're good at everything, and yeah. I think that's amazing. I, I I know we're not good at everything. We really try to be excellent in a few areas. So what are your so when you go at halftime, what what stats are you looking at? Well, we we want to we want to make sure for one um, at halftime that we are guarding the ball well, um, you know, on ball defense. I think I tell the kids, you know, our help defense, the people in our gaps and our hoop guys, that that is our insurance. Okay, we all have homeowners insurance, we all have auto insurance, and we have insurance there 
in case we get in trouble, in case a storm comes, in case we have a wreck, but we don't overuse our insurance. We don't, you know, it, it's there if we need it. So we're a lot better team if we're not having to help a lot, right. you know, because when you have to overhelp, then that's long rotations, shot goes up, we don't get the board. So we we really try to emphasize guarding the basketball well. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about is contesting shots. Like, I will fly off the radar on an uncontested shot. Um, I want everything contested. And if they make it, if they make a contested three-pointer, then I can live with that. You know, hey, that was a good shot. But if it, I just think people practice too many rhythm threes. Like, that is – in girls' basketball – that is a scary, scary thing. When girls walk in the gym, first thing they're going to do is pick up a ball and they're going to start shooting rhythm threes. <laughs> exactly. And so I think you have to contest. I mean, I think you got to contest everything. And then the last thing that we're going to talk about is offensive rebounding. You know, missing blockouts, not controlling the boards. Those three things are going to be our top three topics at halftime on the defensive end. Yeah, and those things are vital. I, th- I, I, it's interesting you point out guarding the ball well. Um, I think we focus so much on help and team defense that we forget, mm-hmm. and we got to be able to stop the ball because I know our goal, number one goal, is stopping the ball. I mean, that's hard to teach, isn't it? Oh, for sure. And I, I heard Kelvin Sampson say this um, in a clinic one time. He said, "On-ball defense is the primary." You have to be you have to be great at that. Everything behind the ball is a scheme. So if we want to switch switch all screens, um, if we want to hedge screens, if we we'll talk about that going into the game of what what's going to give our team the advantage that night. But the one thing that stays constant is on ball defense. And if you can't guard the ball, you're going to be in trouble. I don't care who you have on your team. So coach, and you, I, yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I was just saying that I believe in that. Like I believe in if. If we can stay in front of the ball, great things are going to come our way. So are you trying to contain or are you trying to force or pressure or influence? We, we, we are going what, – what we've done the last two years is we have, we have put the ball on a side and kept trying to keep the ball on one side of the floor. So no <laughs> middle, um, almost – toes the sideline now of course we have some players that can't do that um because of their ability and their athletic ability but the ball we never want the ball to the middle of the floor so we're not i wouldn't say that it is um sideline baseline it's just no middle you know um i used to use the term no we're going to force from sideline baseline and you know, there was always that one or two kids that they just they couldn't understand the topic. <laughs> so now the the term no middle. Well, where do you want me to I don't want the ball to go to the middle of the floor. And since we started doing that, we've done a, a lot better job of keeping the ball out of the middle of the floor. Yeah, and that's uh, <clears throat> sometimes you got to it's all about teaching, right? I mean, I love how you change kind of your terminology and everything. And I think some co- some coaches We'll hang on to that and say they, you know, the players got. But if your players aren't executing it, you're not teaching. Oh, for it. sure. <laughs> yeah. You know, if if they they have to, it 
I think that <clears throat> as coach, we got to hang up our pride a lot of times, which is really difficult for coaches to do. I mean, it's hard for me to do. And, you know, what what do the kids understand? Because it don't matter if you understand it. You, I, I've never got to shoot the ball or defend in a game. So the kids are the ones that have to know and have to understand what you want. Um, and if that means changing your terminology, changing the way you do things, I, I, I'm all for it. Whatever the kids need in order to get the job done, I'm going to do. Yeah, that's a great point, Coach. Um, now, do you extend your pressure out? Uh, we like to full court pressure <clears throat> sometimes uh, at our uh, – at you know, we don't do it very good, but um, do you like to extend your defense? If, if I used to – Several years back, I had a lot more depth. Um, I we we don't anymore. Now we run um, like a three quarter court one two okay. two. Uh, it's not an all game, every game deal. Um, but if we're going to extend pressure, we're going to do it that way. Now we'll do it in two two forms. So if we're playing someone that really transitions down the floor, <laughs> they push the ball. We, we may be in a soft soft press where we're just not going to allow them to push the ball down the sideline and push the ball down the floor. We're going to slow them up. And then there's times where, you know, we're going to be a little bit more aggressive with it. But as far as our man to man, we're a half half court, half court team. Um, Early on in my coaching career, I I would really want to pressure up and do things like that. And, you know, I got, I got to thinking, you know, I I can't do that against the best teams on my schedule. You know, we get deep in the playoffs or at the state tournament. I can't do that to those teams. So why do I spend so much time on those things in practice? Well, it, I just realized I'm not very smart. So I stopped doing that. And I try to focus 95% of our time on the things that's going to help us beat the best teams on our schedule. Where do we want to go? Who do we have to beat? What do we have to do to beat those teams? So that's where I focus all of my attention. Yeah, I love that. <clears throat> you kind of got your ego out of the way because I think all, all the coaching egos, you know, we want to get after teams and so forth. But your top teams, and I know in our division, our top teams are more athletic than us. And we cannot – no, we can pressure. I think you, you can probably pressure at certain times, like you're saying, but not a, not a full game. So I think that, that was a great move that you did – now let's carry over to the offense. So how do you – what do you guys do on the offensive end? It sounds like to me you guys like spreading the floor, a little dribble drive. What do you all do? So just it's, – it's a flip of our, our defense. So we want to – we want to try to get the ball inside, and that's off penetration or post feeds. Um, we want to work to get fouled, try to get to the free throw line, and we want rhythm threes. So – I guess two or two or three years ago, um, whatever offense we were running, I'd always feel like, you know, if, if we're not getting the look that we want or things that we emphasize, we kind of just get stagnant. So what can I do to make sure that doesn't happen? So that's when I really started working the attack and react, um, dribble drive stuff, spacing, the movements. And so – 
whatever we do, if it breaks down, whether we're work, whether whether we're running a set or we're running our base offense or whatever, if something breaks down, we always have something to get back into. And so that that comes with the the attack and react stuff that we do. You know, last year we ran a lot of the Princeton Chin series, um, and then we we did a little bit of high low stuff out of it as well. If uh, if we had two. Hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I'd love to help you get game results this season. Check out a free trial of my Pure Sweat training app on the Google Play and App Store today. Two post players in, and then we did a lot of uh, um, dribble drive type things where we do want to we want to space the floor well. We want to we want to try to get to the paint. We want to try to get rhythm threes out of it. Um, we also we run a lot of sets. So after timeout stuff, if uh, if we need a basket, we we run we run sets. But everything that we do, if or when it breaks down, always will go into a dribble drive type look. So you're more. Um, um, are you far out? I I actually we do the same thing, but yeah. we have such a we have a, a really good post player. So. We don't put her on the opposite side. We put her on the ball side, uh, which makes it a little bit more difficult to dribble drive. But I want her to get the ball. What do you? How do y'all? What do y'all do? Four out. Yes, we we, we played uh, four guards in one post this year, and it, you know it's it's so crazy at our level because it's like every single year it changes. You know, somebody graduates, yeah. somebody steps up, so. The last three years, you know, we played four guards in one post. Next year, predominantly, we'll have two posts and three guards in. So I'll have to adjust a little bit. But we have a we have a uh, a big post player around about six three. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we uh, we, but crazy and not crazy enough, she is almost better away from the ball a lot of times, um, especially how much attention she draws. You know, when when we put her on the block, well, everybody starts really packing it in. Um, so we do a lot of things where we keep her opposite the ball, and then certain actions happen. She flashes and she comes ball side. Um, and then you know, out of the the uh, chin series, it's four out one in, but we play the post at the high post a lot. So we do a lot of where we want to we want to bring the defense up with us. And then we start slipping her to the basket to try to get one-on-ones in the post. At when you have a player that big and you have one of them, you know every game you go into against the good teams, they're going to put an emphasis on right. her um, and how they want to <laughs> help and things like that. And I tell the kids all the time, how, how do we how do we have good post play? Well, guards knock down outside <laughs> shots. How do we how do we have good outside play? Well, post go score inside. You know, then it's a pick your poison game. I think that when you're one-dimensional and all you do is throw the ball inside, what becomes easier to guard? Or if, you know, all you do is shoot the ball from outside, it becomes easier to guard. So we try to we try to play inside out for sure. Yeah, and uh, tell me – it's funny you say that because our big girl plays better from the perimeter as well. I don't know if that's just the way it is nowadays. Kids – I think part of it is toughness too. But a lot of, a lot of the big girls don't want to get hit. Um by a bunch of little guards, right? Um, For sure, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I think anytime that you can stretch anyone out, 
and make it, it makes it harder to guard. Um, if you're having to guard, you know, 10 feet, it's a lot more difficult than having to guard two feet. Um, and so, I mean, just the game, how it's evolved, the spacing and uh, how, how far out you have to guard now, it, I think it puts you a huge disadvantage on the defense. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And, of course, you know, particularly at the girls' level, what, what do you find? I know what our weakness is on offense is finishing at the rim. Do you guys – how do you all get your players to finish at the rim? Because that's, that's the most important thing. We – I, I discovered a guy, and if you could ever get him on the podcast, his name is Doug Novak. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he he has uh, – I haven't bought his new video, but he has a lot of videos on his uh, website. And, you know, he calls it finishing school. And mm-hmm. he has a lot of, uh, you know, different, different moves and variations of finishing around the rim. And I've stole a lot from him. Another thing that we do is anytime that we're doing anything finishing around the rim, I put a manager on both on every basket with a pad right. and just making sure <clears> that, you know, we're not putting the kids to the ground or anything. I mean, just hitting them with the pad every single time um, just to let them learn how to absorb contact. And, uh, but we still don't do a great job with it. Um, but I think that we've gotten better at it. You know, the the one thing is, is like we talked about, is we want to get fouled. We want to get to the free throw line. So we want to absorb the contact for sure so that we can, we can get to the free throw line. Because I think fouls are so huge. Not only do you get to go to the line to shoot, you're also putting their player with another foul, which then puts a foul count up, which gets you closer to the bonus. You know, fouls – to me, are so huge in the game of basketball. You know, you only get five of them, you know, and if you're a good free-throw shooting team, it is <clears> such an advantage for you. <clears throat> and then, I mean, if they're calling on me, it, it, makes the, it makes the other team have to adjust as far as how we're guarding. Yeah, uh, that's a great point. That's one adjustment we're actually making for next year is that uh, I know Huddle. I love Huddle, by the way, and they're – um, you can measure how many times your teams are getting to the foul line and getting into the paint. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a great stat. We were not great this year. Maybe you and I are very similar <clears throat> and with our some of our issues, but um, that's something that we're going to really focus on. We just got to spend more time on it. Spend more time. Yeah, and I think that you have to, you know, how how do you <clears throat> work on getting fouled? Well, I, I don't, I don't really, I don't really know that answer. Um, how you work on it? I think that you really just have to emphasize, you know, attacking the basket right. hard. You know, that always that always helps. Um, so that, I guess that's what what we do as far. But we want to we don't want to shy away from the contact. Like we want to we want to really attack <clears throat> you and and work to get to the free throw line. I've never put a number or a goal like we want to just because night in and night out the the officiating you're going to get. I mean. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to talk badly about them, but I mean, you never know what you're going to get. I mean, we never really <clears> change the way we play, and sometimes we'll shoot 35 free throws in a night. And the next game, we may shoot five. You know, so it's it's never real consistent um, on that end. So we really just got to control what we can control, and that's attacking the rim hard. Um, which I mean, I think penetration kills everything. 
penetration kills your help defense penetration kills your rebounding penetration puts the defense at such a disadvantage i mean that's why on the when we're talking defense on the ball defense is so big to me because i think every time that ball's driven and it gets downhill i mean it, it's not easy to guard yeah you really break down the defense particularly in the middle so so what your good teams do is they go to a zone so how do you attack a zone well, I think your zone offense is only as good as is how well you can shoot the hey, basketball sure. for sure. Yeah. I mean, uh, I think if you can shoot the basketball well, um, you're a pretty good zone offensive team. If you can't, um, hope you have the lead and, and make them come out and guard. I don't know. But we like to do uh, – I like to do like high post, short corner yeah. stuff. I think the high post and the short corner, the gray areas of the zone, you know, you're – your really good zone teams do a good job guarding it. But other than that, I don't know. I don't know that you can guard those two areas great and guard the three-point line well. So we, we want, we're going to have someone in the high post and short corner with different cutting cuts, um, every ball reversal. One thing we emphasize zone offensive-wise is we want to always start everything with a skip pass. So – uh, we do a zone passing drill um, quite right, probably three days a week. And we really emphasize a skip pass. So I don't <clears> want a bounce pass or a, a ball reversal swing pass done unless it's after a skip pass. Like I want a bounce pass or a swing pass while the zone is rotating, if that right. makes sense. I think that you're going to get, they're going to get deflections and it slows the passing down against the zone if you if you do that early on so that that's one big emphasis for us is we always want a, a swing pass bounce pass after a skip pass always make those quick passes while the zone is rotating and we want to i think it's key to overload the backside against the zone you know a lot of people that attack a zone they they overload the the strong side well I want the zone to chase. Right. So we're, we're at a huge advantage if we're getting them to, to chase. So we can get the ball from one side to the other and force a long closeout where we're two on one. I like our odds. So those are a couple of things that we really emphasize versus zone. Now, do you guys, since you are a, a dribble penetration team, I know what we do is we try to set a lot of screens and get dive, really hard dribble action right through the elbows. So we really like tacking the elbows. How do you, how do you all get the ball inside other than the pass? Well, you know, I, I've seen, I've seen people do that and I really like that. Um, <clears throat> I've never really done much um, screening the zone except, you know, of course, screening the backside for skip passes for shots or backside yeah. lobs versus the zone. Um, we want to attack, like I said, off of those, so, like, when the ball is skipped and we make a one-more pass, that is when we want to attack because that is when the closeout is coming. Um, that That's usually the penetration that we get is the ball skipped from one side to the other and we have it overloaded. Well, then your backside wing, you know, then they're on a long closeout and we one more pass it and now they're out of position. And that's when we want to attack. We want to really attack off the bounce once we get them out of position and they're chasing. 
and then we want to really start getting the ball reversed after that. Yeah, I, I love that. I think it really zones. I, I we don't play too many really good zones. We we we're losing the teams that really pressure us man to man. So because we can shoot it. Um, but yeah, against man to mans, what they do is they lock up with our shooters and force us to really attack hard. Um, so we love playing zones. <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, um, but your best teams play man to man. <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, um, I, I think that you know, early in the season, you may see zone, but when it comes down to the playoffs and it's a win or go home type thing, I think you're going to see a lot more man to man than you are zone. I think it's also a lot more difficult to be good at man offense than it is zone offense. Um, so, you know, the zone the zone concepts to me are not as difficult for right. the kids to learn. Um, so, I mean, as far as time spent, we're going to spend a lot more time on man offense than zone offense. And, you know, there's been times and games in years past where w- what we're doing zone offense-wise just isn't working. So we may just throw out and just go our man offense, and it'll work great against the zone, um, just because of you got usually have a lot, a little bit more cutting, um, probably a little bit better spacing. Um, so I, I've done that too, is you know, just thrown some some different actions at it, you know, just to get ball through the net and get some confidence going. Right, and roll right, on. sure. Um, I, I love the concepts, man. I love how you. Uh, you definitely have your own system, which I think is key to success, right, Alex? I think you better have a system you believe in. And like you're doing right now, you're trying to adjust or make a few changes or wrinkles in it, but you're not changing your system. Exactly. I think that your your principles have got to stay the same. Mm-hmm. they got to stay constant year by year. Of course, you're going to adjust. You're going to add and take away. But – your, your terminology and your principles of what you want your team to look look like has to stay the same each and every year if, if you want content. Yeah, that's so true. Coach, I know it's it's been a long podcast. I want you to give me one more final piece of advice. Um, you remember <clears throat> when you started as a new coach and what – so what – utilize your experience and you've done a great job building your program. What advice would you give a new coach who is going to be starting maybe this June? The one piece of advice that I would give is to be yourself. Um, I think that it's so easy to emulate someone else um, or try to be someone you're not. And I think that kids see through fake quicker than they see through anything. Um, I know that for myself, the coaches that attract me the most are usually the ones that are opposite of me, which is weird, but I know I can't, I can't be their personality. I can't be them. I can steal the things, you know, I can steal an offense. I can steal a defense. I can do things like that, but overall I have to be me. Um, and whether that is you're a very intense guy, um, you're laid back, there's a million different right. ways to skin a cat. Um, and I think that you must be original. Um, you, you have to be your own your own coach. Um, and I think that that you know whether you know you're gonna you're gonna make someone mad, you're gonna make a parent mad or a player mad or an administrator mad. You're go- it's gonna happen over your career. But you know, try to 
try to change and learn from those things, but don't take it outside of being you. Um, I think that that's the, that's the most important thing is, is you, you got to be you, you can't be anyone else. And that, that's something that I had to learn early on was, is man, I'm not a real good coach trying to be like somebody else, you know? And so it, it's worked for me, but that, that is the advice that I would give anybody getting into the profession is figure out who you are as a person, as a coach, what do you believe in? What do you, what are you good at teaching? What are you good at emphasizing? Um, what kind of energy can you bring to your program on a daily basis? And then once you figure that out, be consistent with it. You know, your kids need to know who you are and what you expect and how you expect them to do it on a daily basis. Um, if you come in every day and you're trying to change something, you're trying to change who you are, I, I think they see through that stuff. And I don't think the buying is going to be as effective. Yeah, that's a great point, Coach. I mean, that that's uh... – Hey, you're wise beyond your years, my friend. I love that. And you gave him some great advice, man. I appreciate you coming on. I know, um, you know, we met through uh, through Twitter and so forth, and I appreciate you supporting the podcast. Now you're part of the family now, man. You're going to have a lot of people contacting you now. So I appreciate you. Well, man, I, I, I'm honored to be on here, and I love what you're doing. Um, you know, I, I love the guys that you're bringing on. Um, it, it, it's like I said, the, the guys that I'm most attractive to coaching guys or, you know, men or women coaches are the ones that do things different than what I do it um, so that, that I can learn um, maybe one thing different. And I think that you, you bring a vast variety of coaches and systems and philosophies to the podcast. and that, That's awesome. You know, if, if everybody was the same, you know, it wouldn't be as fun to listen to. And I, I've really enjoyed uh, – I'm a big fan of your podcast and what you're doing, and um, I'm honored to be on and share the game. You know, that's that's one of my favorite things about the game of basketball is just learning, you know, trying to trying to get better, learning something new. Um, it's, it's fun. Of course, now me. we got a lot of extra time, man. So you're going to be a smart guy by, <laughs> by next season, man. We're going to have a lot of smart <laughs> coaches. Well, it, it, my, my, my my kid my kids may hate it because uh i'm gonna have all these different ideas <laughs> you know I, i've i've booked there, i bet i've already bookmarked like 50 um, different sets on the on the twitter you know of them rerunning games <laughs> and all the good stuff and you know you'll see something man why did i not think of that like that would have worked perfect for my team this year um but it's good you know like i said you know, you get to look at basketball and learn basketball with some di a different lens yeah, on sure. right now, and I think that that's huge. Um, that that's huge for Absolutely. me. Absolutely, that's great advice. And, and coach, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you, I know you're on Twitter, and I uh, but you want to give out your email, whatever else you you want to give, because I have a lot of coaches that really uh, listen, just like you. Um, yeah, yeah, my they can, my cell number is nine zero three. 517-1180. Um, usually a text is the best way to reach me, or you can call. Um, my email is astevenson at dodcityisd.com. You know, you can email as well. Um, I usually have my phone on me, so I don't mind giving my number out. Um, you can text. Absolutely. Call, hey, uh, if you have, like, your, if you want to give out your Facebooks, I, I put this on Facebook and Twitter. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, my Facebook is, you can just, you can 
search me and okay. Alex Stevenson. Um, on All right, that's great. Well. That's great. Coach, thank you so much again. I appreciate it. And you guys stay healthy out there in Texas. All right. Hey, you too. You ever- hey, this is NBA skills coach Drew Hanlon of Pure Sweat Basketball, and I've been working hard to build an online basketball school to help players and coaches. I'd love for you to check it out at puresweatbasketball.com. Hello, my name is Rory Hamilton. I'm the head girls basketball coach at Norman North High School in Norman, Oklahoma. If you're looking for top-notch basketball coaching instruction and help, look no further than the Championship Vision Podcast with Coach Kevin Furtado. You can listen about our five keys to success at Norman North Girls Basketball, along with many other podcasts at championshipvision.org or listen on Spotify at Championship Vision. Happy hooping. This is Matthew Smith with United Basketball Clinics. I want to let you know about the fourth annual Hoosier Gym Coaches Clinic, the last weekend of August, August 28th and 29th. Right now we've secured Chris Oliver of Basketball Immersion to to speak all Friday night. He's going to give three to four sessions on topics that will challenge us as coaches and leaders. I look forward to seeing you there. We will update you as soon as we secure other speakers for Saturday. Please follow at Coach M.W. Smith on Twitter, and our website is unitedbasketballclinics.com.